you guys do our San Diego game last year? Joe, I can't remember where I worked last week. They're going to go for it here on fourth and one. A lot of words, a lot of words. No snap, no play, nothing, right? What's our Our count threw up off sides. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hard Count, Fox Sports Australia's NFL podcast with the mostest. It doesn't really rhyme, but I'm joined in the studio today with Laurie. Hello. And Pat. Hello, Melanie. I like when you use my full name. It's refreshing. You know, too many people just get lazy and just keep calling me Mel. That's some lovely polka dots you've got there today. Thank you. Thank you very much. I prefer jet ski, but... Jet ski? ski. Oh, that's gold. How have I missed that for so long? Well, because you've been in Bucket's Land. It's my Instagram handle. You follow me. I know your patches. Yeah. See, I'm paying attention. We're paying attention to some football this week. Let's get on to that. Week 12, what a week. Um... (laughs) Bit of mixed performances. Uh, we'll run through them all now for you, but uh, yeah, a lot to talk about. Yeah, some teams that we thought would take care of business in emphatic fashion. They didn't really, but it was an ordinary round of football, let's be honest. <laughs> Don't you think? But the week 13 slate certain to pick the temperature right back up. Well, let's talk about it. And I'm going to kick it off with Chiefs beating the Broncos in overtime. O-T, O-T. <laughs> There's yeah. never much love when we go O-T. 30 to 27. Um, your Chiefs, Pat. Yep, How they're getting about it, it done. Uh, this was... This was, I felt like this was sweet, sweet revenge for a game last year where we choked up to Denver. A massive lead. Um, I really enjoyed this a lot. Uh it's a bit of a shame that Tyreek Hill, being such a low individual, was the superstar for the Chiefs. But still, a win's a win, and we will take it. Yeah, it makes it hard to talk about the big game-breaker from that contest. Tyreek Hill's so explosive on the field. He's electric. He runs a 4.2940, which puts him in the upper, 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 upper echelon of speed in the NFL. Upper. But he, you know, for those who are wondering, this is a guy that choked and punched his eight-week pregnant girlfriend that got him expelled or sent out of the football program at Oklahoma State. It's not someone that you can really get around in any sort of way, and in my opinion, he shouldn't be on an NFL pitch. I think you could hear that uh, that unusual situation for Chris Collinsworth trying to commentate that game and also knowing that history. Uh, Tyreek Hill did have a, have a good game, so you know we do have to mention he had a receiving touchdown, a kick return touchdown, and a rushing touchdown in the same game. Last time that happened, 1965 with Gale Sayers. So Probably it is the last quite sort of time that his attitudes towards women were marginally sort of <laughs> in the realms of yeah. plausible. Oh, um, sad because it's true. Well, it takes Kansas City to 8-3 and three for the season, outright second in AFC West. My big question, though, it comes down to Broncos coach Gary Kubiak deciding to go for a field goal from 62 yards out in OT, and they missed. You play to win the game. You don't play for ties. No, he should have done it. He definitely should have done it because... Oh, you think he should have done it? Absolutely. All he was going to get was a tie out of that. Nobody wants a tie. He's got the upper echelon, top three defense. Upper, upper, upper. upper, upper, Top tier defense (laughs) that you expect. You expect to be able to do it. Wait till I get... I've got... Don't worry. Don't you worry about (laughs) my vocabulary this week. Egregious ladder. Oh, deluge is coming. Um... But he's got the defense that should be able to back this up. Alex Smith doesn't scare you. No, he doesn't. Okay, so you've got me. to feel that he <laughs> does. He's terrible. I think he scares Chiefs fans more than he does opposition uh, opposition defenses. So I think he made the right call here. It comes down as a loss, but I like what you saw. You're talking about the Broncos. Man, I like what we saw out of Trevor Simeon in the second half. Made some really big boy throws under heat, dropped some dimes, some rainbows tickling the clouds and dropping into the bucket. Um, I, I really like what we saw there. So I think there's some positives to take from the Broncos here. Well, do you think it's uh, too too? I mean, too easy to say that maybe the Chiefs are a bit of a sleeper running into the playoffs? I think at eight and three, you can't be 
can't have too many people asleep on you. But Still they're second a- in their division. Yeah, well, we'll get to the Raiders in a bit. But it's just it's a strong division we've touched. Yeah. It's yeah. It. There's about two good divisions in the yes. entire National Football League, That's and this one is of one of them. them. Yeah. But I think they're ever underappreciated, always. So I think that, right, they're always going to be a dark horse because they're not sexy. Uh, Broncos? Farewell, ta-ta, goodbye, good night. I don't think we're, we're kissing goodbye to the Super Bowl champs just yet. The Look. rest of the AFC isn't great. Yeah, Von Miller had a day. He he was. That was <laughs> talk about that defense. I mean, he is a shining star still, and they should be very proud of what they put together. Yes, Simeon has it, but their run, their running game just getting hit doesn't help. You see, Bibbs just get absolutely flattened. Yeah, good night, oh my Mary. God. But I think I like that you bring up Von Miller. I'm I'm taking a page out of Mel's book here and I'm, I'm using hand gestures but <laughs> the angle to which he gets when he bends the edge oh, yeah. like he's it's almost nearly parallel he's almost parallel to yeah. the ground mm. he's so sharp it's it's a beautiful thing to watch so was justin houston who we've mentioned a couple of times huge boost back coming off the edge for the chiefs you called that said Too no incredible. team is getting a defensive player of the year candidate back quite like the kansas city chiefs are as we roll on, they roll on, Stacky. Just briefly on Von Miller, do you think that he was boosted this week by comparisons from some of the leading scouts in the NFL comparing him to Jason Tamalolo? And he just thought, <laughs> you know, big Tamalolo, the Kiwi enforcer, is coming for my job. I need to just, just go up to an upper upper echelon. <laughs> the of upper course, deck. If you haven't, if you don't know what Pat is talking about, uh, check out our last week's episode of Hard Count, where we spoke to two prominent NFL scouts about. Uh, the careers potentially in NFL for Jason Tomalolo and Valentine Holmes. Nearly spat out my coffee when he mentioned uh, <laughs> Jason Tomalolo and Von, Von Miller in the same <laughs> sentence. Well, we, we wait uh, and watch for that one, I think. Mm. Um, but moving on, the Bucks put on an absolute show against Seattle in Tampa Bay, 14-5, to getting it done, absolutely suffocating Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, he had a really bad day. Um, it was all down to Mike Evans, two touchdowns, did it for the Bucks. Jameis Winston, 220 yards, just one interception. Doug Martin, a handy 87 yards, and the rest, well, that was their defense. Do yep. the Packers, are they the new Packers? Are they, do they get the new Rocks and <laughs> Diamonds Seattle? Award? Yeah, because they'll turn in these performances that are absolutely stunning, and then they go and stink it up. I think that they couldn't get a, th- they got their first third down. Conversion yep. in the fourth quarter? Two minutes to go. The two-minute warning just about. They oh. got their first third-down conversion. I think a lot of people are saying this is down to a really hectic schedule that Seattle have had, not right. to mention some overtime games. Um, and it, They looked flat. They looked really, really mm-hmm. flat. The defense wasn't hitting and stopping you as much as you normally see. We see Cam Chancellor in everything most days, and he wasn't really much of a feature. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, Stacky brought up that great stat about um, just how poor they were on third down throughout the game. I think it was about 0 for 10 at the time. Credit to Tampa Bay's defense. They're, they've got talent in that front, and it really came through. Six sacks. Side note, is that the best stadium in the entire competition? <laughs> the giant pirate ship. <laughs> if I have one more goal left in life, and I'd like to think I've got at least one, it is to get onto that pirate ship look, because it's, it's it looks funny. like It's fun. funny what looks good when a team's winning, though, because when they're losing, it just <laughs> looks it's just silly. It's empty and sad. It's, it's kind of like in Jacksonville, the giant pool that they have in the, the spa stadium. Bars yeah, and so the you jacuzzi. Can, so you can sit in a pool and watch some football, but, you know, when they're losing, it, do, it doesn't seem yeah. as cool. Well, you know? I don't know. It's when they're winning. They make some member of the coaching staff walk the plank or, or at the Pirates, yeah. yeah. When they're down 37-3 against the Titans and it's just like a largely overweight 65-year-old <laughs> couple in the jacuzzi, it's not a pretty sad. No, don't want to look. Look away. But you know what? Uh, Wilson, you, you mentioned the, def- the, the defense for Tampa Bay. Wilson, oh, his first half was just, that's, this is hard Roll to Roll some numbers out for us, Mel. 
He had only 20 pass yards, three mm. of eight passes completed, sacked four times and an interception just in the first half mm. alone. I think that pretty well sums up how, how his day went and how Seattle's day went as a whole. But I guess the question marks, everyone's looking towards the offensive line as, as the real ones to answer for. What do you guys think? They're a mess. Well, like sometimes they're great and sometimes they're terrible. And when they're terrible, it is ugly. It is a fiesta of sacks <laughs> for Russell Wilson. And that's what he ran into on the weekend. Well, how worried would you be if you were a Seahawks fan right I would be like how much do you take out of this game I take out a bit I think my team's hit a real you know a snag in the road this close as we get to that home run to the playoffs you're talking about the offensive line not the sternest test next week against the Panthers Uh, so it's kind of a soft landing the Panthers front has occasionally got pressure but injuries and just a lack of talent um, on the defensive at those edge rush positions has kind of stalled them they'll be back at so home far. as well yeah so uh, look it's an issue especially as we get to big boy football when you want to run <laughs> when you want sorry big boy or big girl football as you want to run the football as it gets colder uh, that offensive line needs to be there just before we move on though Tampa touching on you know Stacky said nah they're not going to get out of the south and that may very well be the case but looking forward I'm not sure there is a better connection in general, but also when the play breaks down, then Jameis Winston and Mike Evans, not just touchdowns where we saw them scrambling about, but converting for first downs. Yeah. As soon as Winston starts scrambling, Evans, for a big guy, does a good job getting himself lost in that secondary and finding oh, some yeah. room. Well, he was up against Richard Sherman, and he made a fool out of him in the yeah, first quarter. Yeah, so. plenty of people pointing out that Earl Thomas, not there arranging at free safety for Seattle, and oh, Richard Sherman, all of a sudden getting beaten for <laughs> touchdowns. Moving on, yes. while we're on black, well, the silver, silver and black, black. Yes. the Raiders. <laughs> Oakland coming out victorious. I feel like we're in a little karaoke session there. Look, oh, the, day, the Christmas party's on Thursday, so don't count that out. Some of us are warming into form. A ding-dong-dang. <laughs> oh. uh, what's, your, what's your outfit again? Uh, I will be as one half. I'll be the Starsky half of Starsky and Hutch. Interesting. Right. Mm. Who's Hutch? Uh, Evan George. Interesting. The, yes. I had a video here at Fox. I've got the superior Jufro, so I get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we will... Surely uh, share those photos on social media after that night on Thursday. But moving on, Oakland, yes, they came out victorious in a shootout against Carolina, 35-32. to 32. Came down to Raiders kicker. Again, a kicker, I'm telling you. They, Getting they, it done. Yep. Sebastian Janikowski kicking the game Sea-bass. winner. Um, still had a minute 45 on the clock, so it was up to their D to step up and stop Carolina from having a crack themselves and getting the game winner. Then they did just that. Cam Newton. He was unable to get anywhere all day. 246 yards, yes, two TDs, one inception, but 14 from 29 passes. That's that's not too pretty, I think, for him. And, um, yeah, the Rainers, D, how about Khalil Mack? He had, he a, had day. a day out, yes. didn't he? Big feast of a day for Khalil Mack. One sack, one force fumble, well. and six. an interception he picked off for a TD. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Pick six was a feat of athleticism. Uh, for those of you Some s- close range, Spark too. score junkies out there, I'm sure you're loving that, but just... Great reflexes, great flexibility, great coordination. This was such a Raiders game. You know, like, this game should have been all over at halftime. And then they, <laughs> and then they somehow find themselves behind, and then they just pull it square out of their ass. They allowed the Cam Newton deep ball to get going in the second half. You know, we saw him find Ted Ginn with a casual off the back foot, no, fifty-five yard flick. Ted Ginn catch passes. Well, that was that was part of the trouble right. in the first half. You know, something that caught my eye that was a little bit of a flag. Greg Olson uh, had a chance yes, for a two-point conversion. He did. And a big play outstretched, mm-hmm. but you expect this from Greg Olsen late in the game to get them in field goal territory and, and coming up with drops. Yeah. Not what we expect from the burly father of the year candidate. Yeah. Um, I was watching that closely because he was on my fantasy team. But because uh, normally he's, he's the guy. He's Cam's guy. You know, every, every quarterback has that person. And, yeah. and increasingly so, it's the big tight ends that, that, that uh, turn well, the up Well, they're match-up nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. Is Michael Crabtree Derek Carr's guy? Speaking of guys. <laughs> Everyone's – I mean, Amari Cooper had a – 
quite a day, but you mentioned Michael Crabtree. Seth Roberts, he found for two-point conversions, touchdowns, big completions. Look, Carr's doing it with everyone. We have to mention, Derek Carr left this game with a right-angle oh, pinky oh, dislocation. That Didn't that look painful? Uh, that I'm not, have you ever had... No, I mean, no. look, he's back. He, he just popped on the glove. Slapped the glove on. Yeah. Have you had that injury before, the, the, the sideways fingers. pinky? Or no, finger? not yet, but there's time. DJ? So is that the official term for it? The, sideways the old, pinky. The sideways pinky. Uh, Going into the physio, what have you got? Sideways pinky. Yeah. A mate of mine did it at <laughs> social indoor soccer on both hands, <laughs> trying <laughs> to foul another player, trying to, like, pull the other guy's jersey. you tell him to give you a, like a high 10 and yeah. take a photo. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> he took the photo. It looks excruciating. DJ, ever seen the uh, the no. fingers? No. No. I mean, this thing, my pinky on my right Buckets. Goes, Look at those buckets. It goes way out. Golf. That's from golf. Golf, from yeah. From the I old had the same overlapping thing. grip. That's why, because that, that right pinky just goes over top of the index finger and it just stretches it out. It's Dunyashki's way too far out. formidable junior golf career coming up. I did <laughs> it on the left buckets. hand once, indoor cricket, diving run out. Uh, hand yeah. went straight into the synthetic oh. turf at uh, over oh, five dog. That's bad. Looked up and that's that wasn't so right. Oh. Didn't get the run out either. So really, just a poor <laughs> showing from Horesh all round. When you have those injuries uh. in social sport, afterwards you're like, "What? This wasn't yeah. even like this isn't even park paid. sport. Yeah. This is social midweek sport, and I've given myself a serious injury that's going to like yeah. imp- impact my quality of life. The, the worst ones though is when they keep you out of your actual paid job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh. Yeah. So that was a big one for Oakland. Um, look, do we have to ask though? What's going on in Carolina? Everyone's blaming their O-line and defence. but like, I reckon this is just hangover from last this, year. This is just, Do you think Cam takes any responsibility here? Yeah, I mean, he's let down by his receivers at times, but he's not making great decisions. No, there was a, He had a I, couple of balls that could have been picked off this yeah. week that were just floaters, you know, pie floaters left out there. Yep. I think there's a stink around this team that's been around all year. It's just a team-wide thing, it, post-Super Bowl hangover. Hangover. They're just tired. They're, I think they overachieved last season, and this is them sort of coming regressing but over regressing yeah. I think we'll find the 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 truth somewhere in the middle so they're going to over re-regress next year <laughs> next and get year to about 9 wins yeah they'll get to about 12 uh, 10 wins and they'll you know Knocked second round first week of second playoffs, round of the yeah. playoffs or yeah whatever. right okay well that was um in Oakland and Carolina. How about Atlanta? Yeah, well. Came off the bye with a I bang. love this team so much. They've had your heart all season oh, long. Great. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Muhammad about, Sanu. And they found another one. Mm. And his name is? Gabriel! <laughs> it's Taylor yeah. Gabriel. Gabriel! They beat Arizona 38-19. That is a spanking, my friends. Matt Ryan's taking it right from the top. 269 yards, two touchdowns. He has an interception there that was off the hands of one Julio Jones, but they do it in so many different ways. Uh, Tevin Coleman got in for a score. Devonta mm-hmm. Freeman got it going on the ground. Yep. They hit you so many ways. And I like you've thrown down here that curating the rundown as you did. You're asking us about yes, yes, Julio good. Jones. Uh, <laughs> I love whether him. him disappearing for games should be a worry. Yeah. And only if it was coming up uh, because he's getting horrifically shut down by corners and there's a drop in form. He's still shown that he can be as elite as anybody at wide receiver. We've seen 300-yard games from him this season. Mm. He also, you know, the stat line wasn't big. was about 35 yards, four of seven targets. Yeah. But also true, drew two big pass interference calls on uh, Patrick Peterson. That's a, that's an all-star matchup if you've seen one. So Very still true. proving his value and opening up those channels for guys like Gabriel, who was, wasn't he lightning? Yeah, it's, it's an easy sort of argument to fall into because we are so used to seeing Julio as the main man yeah. in Atlanta. 
And yeah, you're right. This year they have a lot more weapons and Matt Ryan is firing and it's all just working out brilliantly because it's a coach's dream. Not now, you know, you go from having to run an offense with one guy who everyone mm-hmm. knows they're going to double you're team, gonna target triple him team or whatever. 25 times a game. Yeah. To get these other guys in the mix, it's extremely valuable and it shows how well-rounded they are this year. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of offensive coordinators that would tell you you know, we've even seen some success, you know, with the Megatron left hole in Detroit as they went to a more uh, equality-based mm-hmm. receiving core. If you're not having to funnel to one receiver to get your offense going, you're often probably in a better place. We've seen it in Dallas as well. Des Bryant's taken a step back as that offense has become more yep. equal across the board. So all things going well for uh, Kyle Shanahan's unit in, yeah. uh, in Hotland. How, how well, do they fix their defense, though? Because if they want to win a Super Bowl, they're not going to get it done presently with the output they're getting from the other side of the ball. The pass, you know I get attracted to sexy football, and that is what has dragged me in with this uh, this team. But I have found myself gambling on them yeah. at times through this season and just watching in horror as opposition lineups just yeah. march down the field to almost yeah. devoid of any sort of pushback from the defensive side from Atlanta. The pass rush has improved this year. I think bringing Dwight Freeney on was a fantastic move. Uh, it's helped Vic, Pease, Vic Beasley's development. Uh, he's leading the team in sacks. They suffered a big loss with uh, Adrian Claiborne, who's their second leader in sacks, four and a half on the year. He's out for at least a month with a meniscus and MCL tear. That sounds fun. So that's going to be a big question. Are they going to be able to win, pl- uh, you know, down the stretch and playoff games, you mm. know, 38 to 35? Any, just to give it the standard sort of um, pop culture segue, any chance at all that this is a, City sort of feeling its oats after the emergence of Donald Glover's magnificent series, Atlanta. Oh, i got to watch that. Can you give me no spoilers, please? Because I really want to watch that. It's gold. It's on the list. Uh, the, the man's a genius. And Atlanta, they've got, to be, they've got to be feeling you know, that they're a little bit of a legit city all of a sudden. There's, there's in broads in Atlanta. States. And moving along to the next segment, say what? Say what? Say what? This is a brand new segment. We are taking the... The best, weirdest, most bizarre, strangest, questionable moments out of post-match press conferences and bringing you those solid gems. And we start with Jerry Jones. Oh, your mate. Of course, um, Jerry. <laughs> yes, your mate, Laurie. Speaking about Dak Prescott, the young rookie quarterback, his, his tendency to just, you know, make some big plays. Yeah, and, especially um, on the ground. Yeah. He's no Tony Romo, though, using some to Lawrence. Using some questionable uh, ways to describe him, though. And then when he puts that stiff on him, then you quit worrying about him a little bit. He's the, he's the daddy. Well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have no kids. Um, what else do you expect from the man that gave us circumcising the mosquito? Uh, Jerry Jones. Did we ever get an explanation for that? Uh, I think it was, a, uh, it was about a very finite, tough, intricate process. But right. Dak it was handled one... it well, though. Dak did. He, As he's he has... like, you know what? I don't, I don't know what's he's, going on. But he's one like... of those guys. He's on such, he's on such fire right now. He can yeah. throw out any sort of gag to the press. <laughs> and just eat that schlop Mild-mannered Dak getting it done. That was after their uh, Thanksgiving victory. As yeah, the Cowboys rolled a 10-1. and one. Uh, The NFC East keeps delivering. That was the... You know, there were questions over ratings and quality of the games in the first half of the season. The highest rating regular season game in history. Mm. NFL history. Washington, Dallas, thirty-five point one million viewers tuned wow, in for that yeah. one. Yeah, and it's and it's just as this whole debate of whether Thursday night football should stay or go, isn't it? It's, it's heating up, as they say. Keep it more football. Yeah. more football. And you like Thursday nights? I like Thursday nights. It, it makes Friday morning a lot less week, painful. Right? Yeah. yeah, it does shorten the Spreads week. Spreads it out. Um, unfortunately, we haven't been you know uh, treated to games of that no. quality all throughout the year. Now we move on from mm. Dak. From the quarterback position to perhaps the most maligned position in the <laughs> NFL, and that would be 
kickers. And Justin Tucker, who is hasn't missed a kick this season, he is perfecto. It's on a roll. And he rolls out the start of his press conference after a 4-for-4 four four field goal and 1-for-1 one one extra point day in Baltimore's, you know, pretty ugly win over Cincinnati with this doozy. Well, it smells like up dog. <laughs> What's up dog? <laughs> Nothing much, man. So do you. Uh... All right. Let's get started. Oh, dear. So he walks up to the press conference lectern and he, and he just lays off that one, the old what's smells like up dog in here when you oh, when you dear. explained that to me yes pre-podcast i thought yeah. that's hilarious let me listen to it now that i have listened to it it sounds awful yeah look, it's it's truly tragic vision of it is quite uh cringe worthy is it because he's a kicker like if it was a qb yeah. who did that we'd yeah, like he going, never gets oh, up i feel that's why he did it great yeah. gag tom brady he's a different cat <laughs> justin i believe he's an opera singer as well he is uh, we've seen some interesting dances after game winning field goals yep. from him so that might the, the the best bit about that clip which we can the, I'll invoke the Dunyashki rule here is that we are an audio platform, not a video. What, not a video platform, but go check out the video because the face, his face after he delivers the line yeah. is pure and utter cringe. Like, he knows he's it. He's stoked with himself. He's stoked, but he's he so, owns But it. he knows that he's just delivered an all-time dad so joke. So if you're going to get dorky with it, just own it. Yep, yep. I'm Team Tucker. Go Tucker. All right. Now the <laughs> final one for Say What was uh, Patriots side down, tight end, sorry, Martellus Bennett. Um and he's talking about what it's like being a part of New England quarterback Tom Brady, um, Tom Brady's team, as he notched his 200th career win against the Jets this week. I mean, I wasn't really thinking about that. It's just a milestone for me. I never won nine games in a season before, so <laughs> I was just excited. I'm like, oh, we're nine and two. Hell yeah, let's go. You know, he has 200 wins. Wow. So here's the thing. He's saying he hasn't won nine games in the season. He's just uh, chucking a funny with the press, you know, just warming up to them um, since uh, arriving from Chicago. But, uh, Thing is, he has had a nine-win season. Three lies, Martellus Big lies. Three. Three of them. 2008 with Dallas, 2009 with Dallas, and 2012 with the New York Giants. Yeah, but actually, 11 wins in that 2009 season with Dallas. So Yeah, uh, he's yeah. been there and done it before. Look, uh, it's still kind of funny. I guess he's more referring to the fact that he hasn't been on a nine-win season team for several years, obviously, coming from Chicago, where uh, they've just been on a constant slide. What a poor season Chicago having as well. Yeah. Another injury this morning with Danny Trevathan uh, oh, sent to IR. So, once again, Sorry, uh, do as we did this week. And if you are going to have a bet, gamble responsibly and gamble against Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you might want to also gamble on uh, Martellus Bennett because Gronk's latest injury, of course, is got to be a bit of a worry for Pats fans. I know certainly I'm a little bit unsure about... What's the situation about there? Back the injury, G-Bong? left the game. Back injury, yeah. And he didn't... It was. I was unsure why they would start him that much because I don't know if they necessarily needed him that badly for this week. Um, they started him. He didn't last very long at all. He was, he was off and I don't think he barely got a touch if he did. Um, no catches. No catches, No yeah. catches. New England might have needed him for a little more comfortable victory. It wasn't very impressive against but the Jets. But it's always tight against the Jets. Like, Jets love playing the Patriots. They love they trying to rattle their, their uh, older cousin's cage. And against the Rams next week, so you f- should feel that uh, Tom Brady should be able to outclass Jared Goff. And that segues us nicely into a, a segment we haven't birthed up till since early this season. Mm-hmm. And that would be New Kids on the Block. Great stuff. But be listening to that on Thursday night at the Christmas party. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> That's going to be horrific, isn't it? Have we touched on what your costume will be? No, I've got nothing at the moment. I need to sort myself out. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm picking something out tonight from my wardrobe. Hard Count Podcast Booth needs to lift. No, they it's need to lift. Rubbish theme. It yeah. is. 
Choose your era. So That's, you can literally turn up as 2016. You can turn up as anything. Yeah. All right. Now, move, no, with the, the great uh, seg, New Kids on the Block, we take a look at the rookies who have been impressing. This week, we are looking to Jared Goff, as mentioned, the LA Rams quarterback who had his first start last week. It was in a bit wet and wild conditions and probably not a, a great reflection of what he was really about. But this week, I think we got a, more of a truer sense of what he might be able to offer that team. His numbers were okay, weren't they? 214 yards passing, three TDs, did have an interception. But surely a bit like to like there, given the fact that they didn't play him for the first, what, nine games of the season, yeah. ten games of the season. He really lit it up in the first half as he was trying to go toe-to-toe with Drew Brees, which is always tough, especially in New oh. Orleans. And and he wasn't able to do that over the whole game, the, the Saints stretching it out to a 49-21 win. But what you did see in that first half, and the Saints have been you know, a little better on, offense, uh, on defense lately, uh, the deep ball placement and touch and trajectory control that was so pretty to see and watch when he was with Cal, mm. putting it in the end zone in a place that only his receivers can get it. His, that, his first touchdown pass in the NFL, that, yep. that one that he landed was, was to uh, Tavon Austin, Austin, I believe. Yeah. That, was, that was great. That pretty. was right over the shoulder into his hands. So that's what he can do when you... And that's his offensive line was giving him a little bit of a chance, mm. getting the ball out quickly, not under duress. You watch some of those throws and the difference in caliber of arm talent and quarterback between him and Case Keenum. Oh, so much more interesting to watch, it, isn't it, it? It's galactic how big it is. So, so what were they doing stuffing around for nine weeks? I think they're him? protecting him, to be honest. Right. I think this, for whatever reason, the coaching staff feel relatively <laughs> safe going, you know, trying to aim for seven and nine again um, in, in LA. But... I think they're trying to protect him. They'll be lucky him and to get 7-9. They right will now, be yeah. now. But their line is so bad that when you do put in a young quarterback behind a terrible offensive line, it can enforce bad college habits right. and force them to regress. You want to give them, a la Dak and a la Carson Wentz early in the season, mm-hmm. that platform to succeed and grow. And that hasn't been there. But, you know, the, the penny drops and they have to give him a show. This time, and I think there was more to take away. I think from he'll, this week. he'll come out of that game pretty confident. I mean, going as you mentioned, going toe toe Drew Drew Brees doesn't get much tougher than that in New Orleans, as you said. Um, but yeah, I think there's plenty to like Speaking about him. Speaking of toe to toe, though, he gets Brady next week. So if he's taking notes from the opposite <laughs> sideline, yeah. he'll have plenty to, to jot down yeah, next week. Definitely. But again, a defense that you can uh, move the ball against. That's true. And in that same game, LAV, the Saints, um, we're also taking a look at another rookie from New Orleans, wide receiver Michael Thomas. He had a great, great game. 108 yards, two touchdowns. Um, look, it, it even saw Willie Sneed <laughs> chucking uh, um, 50-yard touchdown passes in trick plays. But Thomas, he really is a success story in, in NOLA. Yeah, look, he's, he was a really complete wide receiver coming out. Big guy, six foot three, but versatile route runner. Good hands. A lot of people's top receiver, while there were some bigger, more explosive names. But a great fit. And, you know, if you're a rookie receiver, could you hope to go anywhere better than New Orleans with Drew Brees? Attached himself to Brees' hip pocket. That was the word coming out of the (laughs) gate. And just developed that familiarity. And, you know, this time next year, he's probably their number one wide receiver move over Brandon Cooks. Well, you look at other rookies who have succeeded with similar sort of pass-heavy quarterbacks like Odell Beckham Jr. has had Mm -hmm. a stellar rookie season and that was because he was getting maybe they weren't winning that many games but um, you know having that chance to shine is such a big thing and it would be such a confidence boost you talk about Jared Goff maybe getting some confidence from that loss how must Michael Thomas be feeling because um, he's on track for it looks pretty easily a thousand yard year imminent for him he's uh, at 789 pass yards uh, for the season and seven touchdowns for the year okay well let's move along to the Australian themed section of the podcast first down under 
in the great state of New York. It was the Giants punter Brad Wing having another busy day at the office with nine punts against Cleveland. That's 2,498 yards for the season. The fifth most yards of any punter in the league for the season. Five of his punts against the Browns were downed inside 20 with one touchback for an average of 47 Point four yards, Melanie. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, in Pittsburgh, Steelers punter John Berry had a long punt of 54 yards against Indianapolis uh, from four on the night. Uh, one inside 21 touchback, an average of 44.3. And Lockie Edwards with a 44.5-yard punt average for the Jets in four punts. Um, one inside 20 and uh, a long 50-yarder. Adam Gotsis, just four snaps and one on the Broncos specials. Yeah, teams really, relatively really quiet. But less quiet. Friend of the show, the big news that came out over the weekend Very is exciting stuff. that David Yankee, offensive lineman, plays a bit of guard, a bit of centre, mm-hmm. play tackle if you really want, has been moved up from the practice squad to the active 53 roster, was dressed for the game on the weekend, which is just fantastic to see. It didn't work out for him in Minnesota, yeah. uh, but the big guy getting a chance in Carolina. And look, they've got questions on the offensive line, so there may very well be opportunity there. God knows Cam Newton could use all the protection he can get. Yeah, I know he was a little bit disappointed from moving from Minnesota to Carolina. Um, he was hoping, okay, this is a fresh start. Maybe this will be where things change. And it's clear that it has. He's, he's Michael O, as, as you mentioned, uh, on IR. Of course, blindside. Yeah, the blindside fame uh, makes way for an Aussie's game. Yeah. Guy, uh, Does yeah. that mean we're going to get some sort of biopic on David Yankee sometime? Let's not rule it Surely. out. Surely. <laughs> yeah. Is Sandy B busy? Can uh, she come back for a sequel? What, Sandra Bullock? Yes. Yeah. Do we actually call her Sandy B? Is that... We do now. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. we do. Um, no, it's great news for David. And, um, it's kind yeah. of hot. It also affects his... Can we talk affect to his... We, we will. We'll, we'll we chat will to him next week. We will be speaking to him next Fantastic. week. Yes, he's locked in. Tune and in for that. Absolutely. It does affect his contract status going into the off-season as well. Big difference between being on the active roster to end the season and uh, and being on the practice squad. So yeah. it's good things what's, going forward for still a young man. What's the difference in sort of finances for a guy like that in terms of not being on the active roster and then going into the off-season on an active roster? Oh, it, it's more your week-to-week payments. Yeah. Uh, so they'll take a bump, um, and depending what contract they've got him on as he moves up, um, there may be kind of more years. It's all very easy to get out of when you're dealing with lower down the roster guys. Right, right. But it's just a little bit more status, uh, and, and hopefully a good run of confidence and form as he goes into the off-season. Yeah. Now, that's one Aussie who has been waiting in the wings to get a call-up of sorts. There's another one out there, free agent, from this current draft class that has been waiting... In the wings, Melanie. Yes, he's an undrafted free agent, Brad Craddock. He is a Lou Groza Award winner. That is the award given to the best kicker in college football, which he won while he was in Maryland. He's an Adelaide boy, and he's back in Australia briefly to visit some fam before going back to the US and um, trying to sell his wares, his wares being kicking ability. And we're lucky to be joined by Brad now. How's it going, Brad? Good, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, well, it's um, been an interesting run for you, I guess. You didn't get drafted, but you went into camp with Cleveland, and um, that was unsuccessful. What have you been up to since? Uh, mostly just uh, training, really. I uh, spent uh, probably the first, I think, eight or nine weeks of the NFL uh, just sort of waiting for a call, training, because uh, you can get picked up at any time during the season, really. Uh, and then when it's sort of gone a bit quiet and there's playoffs are coming up, they sort of don't want a new rookie coming into kick footballs for him, so I uh, just headed home right now, so I'll be back over there to try again, do all the camps and everything uh, in a couple of weeks. 
Can you give us an idea of maybe what that sort of training process in, involves? Because I guess uh, in Australian sports, we're not used to the level of sophistication and specialisation that you see in NFL. So uh, are you smashing the gym? Are you just doing heaps of reps with your kicking? What does a sort of a, an average sort of day of training look like to you, Brad? Uh, well, if it's a kicking day, uh, it'll be 30 balls pretty much from warm-up to sort of finishing off, charting my kicks and just a lot of film really so uh kicking is sort of like golf in the sense of it's a very uh technical motion uh your whole body's got to move in sort of one in one movement so uh it's just really making sure you're staying on top of your technique and uh things are things are in the right place so if something goes wrong you still make field goals uh so that's the biggest thing and then uh weights every day uh not big heavy sort of weights but keeping my legs in shape and then I'm actually trying to put on a little bit of weight right now uh just helps with your kickoffs a little bit more momentum through the ball makes it go a little bit further so right now that's pretty much it for me I can't recall a year where kickers have been more in the headlines Uh, obviously the PAT getting moved further back has caused all sorts of issues we've had weeks you know we had 12 missed PATs in a day as a kicker do you feel sorry or do you, do you, is there a sense of empathy to your fellow specialist brethren out there or are you sitting at home going, no, you know what, I deserve a shot, I can make these any day of the week, these Muppets are missing from 35 in front, I do that as well, I'm asleep. Uh, I think there's, I think it's a little bit of both. There's, there's none of the like Muppet sort of talk. <laughs> <laughs> the, the good thing about kicking or the bad thing about kicking is you can never get too confident with it. You can never be like, oh, I can make that any day because you make one mistake and you miss one. So I think the biggest thing for me is watching a few guys that have made it and have really struggled all year, and you're like, I could really give that a crack, and you don't even get a phone call. That's kind of that's the hard part of it, but it, it's a little bit of both. It's like, guys miss. It's like, all right, give me a call, and there's none really like. But then you do feel like sorry for them because there's like a it's like a community with the kickers like you like all sort of hang out you know everyone so now Brad Cleveland as I said didn't want to keep you on in training camp now be honest they are winless still <laughs> um, <laughs> very winless are you slightly is like the slightest bit a little bit pleased perhaps that you didn't uh, get on there and maybe being giving an, another chance down the track with another team um, come on <laughs> no, you're no, loving it <laughs> no well like it's it's rough, like, because you also, you meet, you meet all the Cleveland guys, too. So, like, I know a couple of guys on the team, and, and you yeah. want them to do well. So, it, it's hard to watch, but also the first, they ended up getting a new kicker anyway, the first couple of games. They would have won a couple of games uh, at the beginning of the season if the kickers hadn't made them. So, it's hard to watch, definitely. But I, I still, obviously, like, I want to I be playing. Like, right now, I'm sitting at home, and those guys still get to go out there and at least try and win. So... They are, they are definitely struggling. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting you talk about how desperately you want this and you're back in Adelaide. Have you never found yourself more motivated than right now? And how does that sort of manifest itself in terms of what you're going through back in your hometown? Yeah, it is hard. It's definitely hard coming home. I think I had I had two years pretty much from the end of my junior year to sort of now where I didn't have a break. I just sort of went hard and, and trained really hard to try and get there and Sort of when it all finished, I was like, well, I got cut from Cleveland, had a couple of workouts at Pittsburgh and Atlanta and stuff, and when all of that sort of finished, I was like, just kind of done, like I just need a break, so um, it's been good to 
have a week. Off, I had a week off kicking, and I'm just starting up again now. But now that I've started again, it's yeah, just like that. Like you know what you really want to do, and you see everyone else that are here just doing what they've always done. Really, uh, nothing's really changed in the last couple of years. So you know you can always come back to that and want to. I just want to play. So <laughs> it's it's definitely driving and and making you want to work harder and get there. So you just got to get an opportunity, which is the biggest thing, really. Listening to your story, I can't help but think of some similarities with Tom Hackett, and he's been waiting for his call-up, and it's funny that the Minnesota Vikings fan base has called for you guys in both roles. They want an all-Aussie punting <laughs> crew it. with some of the frustrations they had with Blair Walsh. But are there any teams that you've had in contact with, whether it's Minnesota or any other teams, that you know, maybe have put in a little line to you to say, look, stay ready, because you know they're not ecstatic with what's going on in their special teams department? Uh, not really, not. Once the season started... Uh, and a lot of the rookies struggled. Uh, the guy at um, Buccaneers and uh, Will Lutz at uh, the Saints, they both haven't, they haven't had phenomenal seasons. So sort of when those guys started struggling, teams didn't really want to bring in a rookie. They wanted a guy that if in the middle of the season would come in and they would know what they were going to get. They didn't really want to take a risk on people. So, Brad, can I ask you more broadly about the, um, the extra point conversions? Moving it a little bit further back, if you're sort of a, a casual NFL fan, a lot of fans out there can't really understand why it is so difficult. This is You're obviously in a great position to explain to us why a lot of the kickers out there are finding it so tough. Can you maybe walk us through why it's such a significant challenge? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you look at how the NFL is, uh, a kicker is, is expected to make everything. Sure, like, you go in there, it's like, if he makes it, everyone's annoyed that... They didn't score a touchdown, but they're like, okay, we got points. If he misses it, the guy's a chump. So, <laughs> But you, you look at extra points, right? They're 21 yarders, and your whole life, or the kicker's whole life they've ever done, they've never really had to think about an extra point. They just go out there. They don't have to be warm. They're going to make the kick. Whereas now, it's a 33-yard field goal. And to everyone else, it's just an extra point, but it's now, what, 12 yards further back, mm. and it becomes a field goal now. So how people think is like, oh, that should be automatic. And that's how a kicker thinks too, that this is automatic, it's easy. And the thought process in it needs to be, no, I'm going out there kicking a 33-yard field goal, not I'm going out there to kick an extra point. And it's, it's more a mental game as such, more than the physical being able to hit a 33-yard field goal. Because you look at the stats, there's been, I don't know how many there's been missed this year, but look at the stats compared to... 33-yard field goals that have been field goals, not extra points. And it's, there's only been like one or two missed the whole year. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's more the mental game of everyone, ex- it's an expectation. How do you feel about this rule change? Do you think that it, is it a challenge that you welcome, that you gladly accept? Um, and do you think that most kickers would accept that? Or would they be a little bit peeved off that their job has gotten that much tougher? Because it's, as you mentioned, you know, they're the first guy, the guys that people are, the fans are going to blame if something goes wrong. How, how do you feel about this whole rule change? Oh, I absolutely love it. Yeah. And mostly because it gives a kicker more value. So if you've you got a guy that's really consistent, like a smaller guy that's really good inside 50, is a 33-yard extra point. If you're a really consistent guy, great for you if you're a big leg kicker like uh you look at the guys that can hit the ball like 70 yards a guy that's only hits 50 yards can't compete with that guy until because he's hitting the ball so much harder there's more inconsistency in his uh his technique probably because he's hitting the ball so much harder i love it mostly because i'm a smaller guy and um pride myself on consistency really so 
yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's really good for the game, and hopefully, hopefully they keep it. Yeah, it's certainly made stuff a lot more interesting this year, especially in those close finishes. Look, Brad, now that you're back uh, in Adelaide for a week just to spend some time with fam before you head back over, what are you so happy to be back for? Like, what do you not miss about being in the States? What What's it like being back? Oh, it's awesome. I think uh, the beach, the beach is probably the best, but it's that. And then I think I've had, like, a meat pie every day for, like, <laughs> four days, so that's been great. And um, that and just family, like... Uh, my sister's had a couple kids, and I haven't met. I only just met one of them. So, having that, um, getting home to see him, he's nearly two now. So, well, I'm sure that you will enjoy your time back on Australian soil, and uh, we hopefully look to look forward to seeing you out there on the field um, in, in no time at all as well. Best of luck to you, Brad. Um, we're rooting for you every time a kicker misses. We're hoping they're getting on the phone to you. <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll, we'll closely track your progress. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, pretty interesting to hear his approach to the change in kicking rules and how he thinks it'll help his value uh, as a more consistent close-range kicker going forward. And um, We hope that call-up comes soon, but that's kicking it with Brad. Now <laughs> to catching it with, with Kelsey, Kelsey, Melanie Dunyashki. Yes, my highlight of the week. And this will be the last one for the podcast because it was the finale. Um, it got down to four girls. Uh, two were bumped very early in the finale, and then there were two. Veronica from New Jersey and Maya from Kentucky. Who did you think was going to win this? Oh, my money was on Veronica. Okay. Uh, Veronica seemed like the likely. He was taking them on dates through Kansas City. Kansas City being, of course, his home as mm. uh, the Chiefs' tight end, Travis Kelsey. Um but, you know, I did not see this coming. They, they looked like they were going to give it to Veronica. All money was on it. And then he threw out a but. And oh, then uh, no, he picked Maya. Snap. He picked Maya, spoiler alert. And, um, yeah, Veronica was not one bit happy about it. I'm sad because I feel like I put my whole heart out there. And it just feels like it's been stomped on. And I truly thought, like, I had something special with him. But I guess I was wrong. I mean, if he wants to keep going in the same cycle, that's truly up to him. I feel like I did everything I could. If that wasn't enough for him, then it might never be enough for him. So, Travis, f- you. Oh, Because <laughs> it's not going to work with Maya. She's going to end up screwing you over in the long run. That is oh. some hate. That is some hate. Whoa. Now, what you can't see, uh, being a podcast, we mentioned the audio realm, not the visual one, is that she gives him the double flipped birds. Yeah, no, she that. gave him the Stone Cold Steve Austin double birds. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was very controversial because the way he was Taking saying it... Taking it in her stride, in, clearly. Yeah, yeah. She, oh, this is the thing. When she got that news, she didn't go up and give him a hug or Nothing. anything. She just walked out the door. No, I hope you know. I wish no, you happiness. That's appropriate. No, I think so. Yeah. I think so because... The, way he did it was like, you know, um, I'm really after true love and Veronica is something different to normal girls and then she thinks she's got it. Yep. And then he's like, but Maya, I'm going to pick you. It's like, what? It, just, so, it, it, it proves that you just never know an all-star <laughs> tight end from 10,000 kilometers away. You, yeah, just, yeah. you never know. And you know what we never know? We never know what's coming in the next week, but doesn't stop us trying. No. no which means it's not. time for... Sing that second bit. It's, it's like it's a call to arms, really. It is. I'm at a crossroads for these fixtures next week. I need to get a little bit of honesty in my life. I think I'm in love with the Atlanta Falcons, mm. and I'm thinking that them going head to head with the Chiefs 
I want those two teams to fight for my affection. Is this the Big Brother diary room? This is, the, this is the stack bowl. It's getting real. Whoever wins that game gets my allegiances for life. Whoa! Yeah, I'm You're putting ready that on to, the table. The Kansas City Chiefs coming off a season-defining win. Travis is ready to... But I don't love. love them. I know that they make sense, but I just love the Falcons so much. Wow. Why? So there's so much... No, but why? Tell me more. I love Matt Ryan. He's a complete battler, yet he throws for 300 yards plus every week. Julio down by the schoolyard, Jones, is the man. <laughs> Muhammad Sanu, listen to that guy. How could you not love a guy called Muhammad Sanu? And now they've got old mate... Uh, Taylor Gabriel. Gabriel, who left Cleveland after <laughs> yeah. they stitched him up. They just sent him packing. Let's not forget Devonta Freeman and... Uh, Tevin, Coleman. Tevin Coleman. There's so much and to Beasley love. Beasley Jr. And... Who have the Chiefs got? They've got Travis Kelsey, who seems like a complete jerk oh, and ruined Veronica's wow. life. So, I don't know. Whoever wins, that's who I'm sticking with. I hope, sincerely hope, that the heart of Patrick Stack is sent to... There's never much love when we go OT. There's never much love when you go OT. But you know what? There's love on the line in this one. <laughs> Melanie, as we cast our eyes to week 13. Look, I'm looking towards the real stellar matchup of the week. It is the San Francisco 49ers and the Chicago oh, uh, Bears. The Pooh Bowl. Uh, the Pooh Bowl. The Pooh Bowl. And it's in Chicago. And i got to say, I like I like the 49ers. Okay. Only Kaepernick's because right I think, moment. yeah, he's throwing better than what they have been all season. No, yeah, I think he um, quietly played quite nicely. And I just don't see Matt Barkley doing the same to match them. Some nice it's moments It's going to be Barkley, some but... ugly football, though. Let's not get any anything wrong about this. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be pretty to watch. You're probably not going to want to have any of your any of these guys on your fantasy team. Just check out. Uh, the Cleveland Browns on the bye resent the fact that you decided a game not featuring them was going to be the Pooh Bowl. <laughs> um, I've got a I got a confession of sorts in my prediction. I think um, I think the buck stops in Minnesota uh, for the Minnesota. Dallas Cowboys. Minnesota. Uh, ah. Thursday night football, Friday Australian Wait, you're time. Saying that Minnesota you're trying to reverse. Beat your boys? Uh, no, you're trying to reverse. No curse reverse the Cowboys. I think the Vikings defense has been steadily improving as they got some of their stars back lately. And uh, and I think I think the Cowboys could be in serious trouble. Just another thought as well. I think that there is a university fling cup coming as well between the Buccaneers and the Chargers, reminiscent <laughs> of that love interest at uni. Who you knew there was never anything meaningful involved in it, but my God, it was a lot of fun because that is going to be the summary of that game. Neither of those teams really going to lay out any playoff credentials, but there's going to be some points wow. scored. It's going to be good times. Do you think that there's a couple somewhere in Australia at university who will be watching that game in a university bar and just taking and more depth out of it than maybe anybody else and then somewhere they're looking off into this is thinking Pat called it if you're in that relationship <laughs> just enjoy it while it lasts <laughs> you're having a good time you're just two kids those oh, wise oh, words dear. for Stacky yeah. to send us on our merry way yes. before we go some social media channels to hit we did throw out a poll this week I should get to mm. thank you for all 26,000 uh, people who voted oh, on that I think it was 26,001 actually well right. there you go nice to know Mel get on, got in on the voting late and they all <laughs> said that the most disappointing victorious team from the past week the New York Giants. Yeah, they start. I, I thought the Browns were going to win. So yeah. We'll catch the Giants next yeah. week along with a whole bunch of other teams. Yeah, what, what are your tips? What do you think about our predictions? Do you think Laurie is, in fact, doing a reverse sort of psychology thing with mm. his Dallas Cowboys and the Vikings? Do you think Pat Stack is right about university romances? Just share your thoughts. Go to at HardCountFox on Twitter and, uh, yeah, give us, give, give us some good, decent chat, and we might even mention it on the show next a- week. Absolutely. If you want to get more personal, uh, take your vitriolic attacks to <laughs> at Melanie Dunyash. Come direct. At Pat Stack Fox and at 
Laurie Horace still without a tick. Until next time, we will see you with a big kiss. The white goes on. A big hug, a big goodbye, and we will catch you next time.